0: I'm Molly O'Connor. And I'm Sarah Connell. you are listening to Pop It. This is
1: the podcast for popping questions, popping bottles, and pop culture. This is
0: our 50th episode. 5L. Oh, I'm 50! <laughs> remember that from Saturday Night Live? No! Oh, okay, so Molly Shannon played this character, Sally O'Malley, and she was a 50-year-old woman and she would just, like, stomp out and, like, do high kicks and yell that she was 50. Perfect. Yes, so that's us. Yeah. Yeah. Can
1: we please post a picture of Molly? I will. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Sally O'Malley. Sally O'Malley.
1: (laughs) Well, we have gotten a lot of feedback that, you know, I can't believe it's been a year of us doing this, and people still maybe don't necessarily know who we
0: are. Yeah, we've talked a little bit about stuff that we're interested in or excited about, but not really a ton of personal stuff outside of like a little bit about. My dad. yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so we're going to do a little bit of that. And to help us
1: do that because it is, it's hard to talk about yourself without somebody who's actively interviewing it's you. Some kind of prompting. So we sat down with a group of middle school girls from central Massachusetts mm-hmm. and we were facilitating a workshop called The Power of Podcasting. Yeah. And we asked them to come up with some open-ended questions because that's something that I learned this year.
0: Yeah. Open-ended questions lead to the best conversation. Right. If you give someone a question that they can answer yes or no to or they can just say one thing, you're not going to learn much from that. It's not very insightful. Mm -hmm. So they came up with some good ones. Yeah. And
1: we did ask them some questions, too, because I, I was reading this body of research that Refinery29 had publicized, and it said that teenage girls are the biggest predictor of trends in America. Yeah. So I asked them to tell us what they're obsessed with right now, and we got, like, a lot of answers, but there were a few that got multiple yes. votes.
0: And there were some that just, yeah, there were some that really stood out.
1: Who are the Dolan
0: twins? So they're YouTubers. I think that they do songs. They do songs. (laughs) I don't even... That's the funny part. So like we should be like, oh yeah, who are all these people? Let's find out. But it's... We're old now. It's true. (laughs) So this was... It was like a little market research kind of group for us. Yeah, really interesting. They also were really
1: into two different music acts. One is a boy band called Why Don't We... And the other one was a Korean boy band, a K-pop band called BTS. BTS, BTS is a
0: huge deal. I know BTS. Because um, K-pop is like starting to, finally starting to trickle in here. It's really fun, K-pop. And it's also really fascinating because the way that the Korean um, music industry and entertainment industry works is that everyone has like, like here, like we can't name a singer's manager or agent necessarily unless it's someone Scooter like Scooter Scooter Braun. Braun. Whereas there they treat part of the entertainment there is people signing deals and moving to different management and moving to different stuff. So like they turn the whole entire industry into a soap opera, which is crazy. So it's like you buy into one thing, you buy in a BCS BTS or Blackpink or something, but then you're like stuck and you start following the actors and the people The fake relationships and the real relationships. So it's kind of crazy the way they do it. Reality television. Basically. It's wild. Yes.
1: Okay. Also on the list with the most votes was Billie Eilish, who I too am obsessed with right now. I love Billie Eilish. I've read so many interesting profiles of her. I, as a public school teacher, sometimes I struggle with homeschooling. Mm. My thought being that like, especially when you get to high school, as a teacher, I couldn't possibly teach you AP Spanish, AP English, physics, calculus. I I know my own strengths. And for me, that's English language arts, right? I can teach AP English, but I can't teach calculus. So for parents to sometimes say, I can give my kid all of the academic rigor of an entire public school made up of these certified teachers, it frustrates me. But for
0: her, the focus was clearly music. Mm-hmm. And and that seems to be like a familial thing. Her brother is a songwriter too and helps her write a lot of her music. The only thing is like she's very young and sometimes I just worry about her. Joy Flanagan, <laughs> who we had on as a guest, saw her at
1: Coachella and mm-hmm. said, this is not a teenage girl who's performing. Yeah. This is a seasoned performer who's up here. And she was like a little uncomfortable about it.
0: Yeah. I think, I think, right, I think a lot of homeschooled people grow up really fast, whether they're, like, homeschooled traditionally the way we think of it or, like, people who, who just are professional children, right? Like, actors and singers who go through that kind of tutoring and stuff. Um, but even, like, some of the lyrics, I'm like, oh. But I like the music. Yeah. I just hope she's okay. There's <laughs> a lot of sexual innuendo. Yeah. That makes me a little bit uncomfortable. Yes. Especially, like, if her brother is – like, her older brother's writing some of the songs – But her
1: fashion sense, her passion for streetwear, that's all really interesting to me. And the idea that she's a teen idol and she's wearing these like big, baggy streetwear staples is really
0: interesting. Right. And she's been very specific about it and she's been like pointed and saying like I do this on purpose because I don't want people to be thinking about what's underneath and what, you know, what my body is like because I want people to care about the music and like, you know, my brain. Mm-hmm. Um, and she doesn't want people to objectify her, so I think that's a good thing. Ultimately,
1: the last person who identified himself as a standout passion <laughs> for teenage girls on this list was Tom Holland. He had tons of votes. Lots of people, you know, are excited about Tom Holland. But can you tell me what's his yeah. deal,
0: Tom Holland? So this is like a great offshoot of like the broader, like in Tumblr communities and on the internet. Like you know, there's like there's definitely. And the teens are part of it. Get it? like they are all into Marvel, right? So all the Marvel stuff, all of the Avengers and Infinity War and <clears throat> End Game and stuff. And so Tom Holland is Spider Man in the newest iteration of the Spider Man, you know, storytelling. It's like the third one, <laughs> but you know, there's been for years people love who follow Robert Johnny Jr. or whatever. So he's like the he's like the new gen, the new generation of that. Um He's very cute. He started he was in a movie called the impossible when he was really young like 11 or 12 and that movie was one where people were like this kid should be nominated for an oscar so it was he's been a big deal like acting wise for a long time and now he's a now he's a teen idol a bona fide star yes he's very cute so we'll get to some of the questions that these
1: middle school girls had for us mm-hmm. and the first one just said how did you
0: meet how did molly and sarah meet yeah We, I was a substitute teacher and I went to Auburn Middle School to sub. I was on lunch
1: duty. (laughs) Uh, When I started at Auburn Middle School, I was the youngest faculty member by like a decade. By a while, right. Mm -hmm. Um, And to see somebody else who was my peer or as far as age goes in the lunchroom got me really excited. (laughs) I went right over to you, I think, and I said, hi,
0: I'm Sarah, (laughs) which is good because having not been in a middle school cafeteria since I was in middle school and going back as an adult, like, middle schoolers are scary. And I was like, (laughs) oh, my God. Like, I was like, oh. Like, I was just like, you know, I was there. I was, like, walking around. But, like, and I didn't know the kids because I was a sub. So I didn't feel like I had a lot of authority. And it's so funny, though, because they do come up and they'll just, like, ask you questions. Like, they're like, you're an adult. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was nice. I was like, oh, hello. So we became allies in the school
1: setting. And then you ended up getting a job at the school where I work. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, we, we started uh-huh. to hang out a lot outside of cool. school. We found out that we had a lot in common. Yes. Now, the next question says, how did these two teachers become podcasters? And is it weird to have a podcast and express yourself but also teach kids at the same time? Um, I think we've told this story before, but I was really kind of frustrated when I realized that I was going on the radio every week. And I would run through the list of people who had shows on this particular radio station. And it was all white men. There were seven shows hosted predominantly by white men. And I said, am I just checking a box for you? You just want one female voice? So we sat down with the
0: producer. Yes. And we said, we think that we should be on the radio. Yeah. You need to have at least one show hosted by women. And he
1: was like, okay. It wasn't a tough sell.
0: No, it was, it was great. That it's was nice. a lesson too to like ask for what you want. Yes, and I think um Stephanie Ramey talked about that when we had her on she is our Discover Central Mass buddy, but she said that she she was like you sometimes you have to find something you want or a position that you want and you need to just ask for it. As far as juggling our two lives, I've been struggling with that I think
1: probably since I started freelance writing, just yeah. how much of myself to express. I do think about if somebody looks at me and says, you are a representative of the public school system for which you work, would I still be able to get behind this and defend it? And that's important.
0: Yes, I would agree. Like, for instance, this month, it's, you know, it's June and that's Pride Month. So we're doing a lot of posts and a lot of social media that kind of relates to that. And some people might find that controversial. Um, But for us, it's important because that's the way the world is and it's, it's representing who people are. And, you know, if someone looks at our page and is like, oh, these, you know, these girls are into this and they really support that community or any like, you know, marginalized communities, I think that that's fine. Yeah. And either you'll be receptive to that
1: or maybe you're not our prototypical listener and that's okay too. Yep. I will skip ahead a little bit because one of the questions from the girls was actually, what is your opinion on the LGBTQ community?
0: We love it. Yes.
1: Love has no gender. Yes.
0: Yeah. And we're not part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we, you know, we like to go to different events that are either like, you know, some, some of them are like charity events that are literally giving money towards um, LGBTQ programs and stuff like that. And then sometimes we just like to hang out within the community and see what's going on. And they, we like to dance. Yeah. And one of our most recent posts,
1: I know Molly, you said, is there a piece of media that you would want me to highlight for Mm -hmm. pride month? And I said, I just saw book smart and I just enjoyed it so much. there was a great New York times piece called how Hollywood stopped fearing lesbian teens, um, by a writer named Eleanor Stanford. Mm -hmm. And it just said like generation Z is so beyond that. You know, they're not worried about gender. They're not worried about sexual preferences. Mm -hmm. They have moved beyond. It's just the norm for them to accept that different people love others you know what i mean and it doesn't need to fall into a particular category and i said yeah gen
0: z so i'm proud of all of you (laughs) yes absolutely and i think um olivia wilde highlighted that a little bit in her you know speaking about the film where she said all of these movies come out and it's like a story of struggle and strife for kids to come out Mm -hmm. or it's coming of age and she's like i kind of just wanted to make a movie about a girl who's already there and she's just like hey this is who i am and then she just like is living her life Mm -hmm. um which i thought was really cool Yeah, and it resembles, like, a a teenage crush more
1: than it does facing this grand adversity. And I think normalizing different relationships and different types of relationships Mm -hmm. in the mainstream is important. Yes. The next question says, has the podcast helped you grow? How did being on the show impact your friendship? Um, The podcast has taught me to say no sometimes. Yeah. Yeah one wonderful thing is that we very very rarely have to ask people to be our guests anymore which Um, is exciting people come to us and that does mean saying no if it doesn't fit into what we do so we kind of had to narrow down like what are the three things that we do we talk about Mm -hmm. women's professional culture we talk about local culture we talk about pop culture if you don't fit into
0: that you're not the right guest right and sometimes it's it can be tricky because it's like a friend of ours mm-hmm. or someone that we really like or admire who just doesn't fit in, and that's fine. And as far as our friendship goes, I think it's it can be difficult
1: working with sponsors too, right, because they're looking yeah. for certain things. And to have somebody come in, we have this friendship that's, what, five years old at this yeah. point, and tell us how like to talk to each other. Yeah, we're a kindergartner. Um, But like to tell us how to talk to each other, that was
0: challenging, but I think we learned a lot. Yes, I would definitely think, I definitely agree with that. I think learning how to talk to each other and balance, but then just like being more mindful of like the way that you speak, especially in a piece of media, right? It's like, it's hard to, you just want to talk, talk, talk. Like I'm a, I am a chronic over talker. I'm an over communicator. (laughs) But being really mindful and having to stop and think about it has helped me like in real life too. For me, the best advice
1: that we got, that was the hardest for me to hear, mm-hmm. was we were told, um, Sarah, you need to be less on script. It sounds like you've planned out what it is that you're saying and you won't deviate from the script even when the conversation naturally wants to go somewhere else.
0: Right. And it was the opposite for me where I was like, hey, I'm here. They this said, is going to be great. <laughs> get on script. Yeah. And, yeah and, and it turned out that that worked really well for us. And Mm -hmm. I don't know that we've like perfected it, but I think that we're definitely getting closer to what we're, what we want to sound like and what we want our show to be. Mm
1: -hmm. How do people react when you are a woman doing something that, uh, that not a lot of other women do? Um... Well, okay, I'm really excited that you started working in Armsby Abbey Molly because <laughs> that too. changed my life. <laughs> I was really struggling to find my own way, I feel like I had my own money so that I could yes. get out of a difficult situation. Mm-hmm. And Armsby Abbey opened so many doors for me. But it also taught me that, especially in the service industry and when you're talking about craft beer, men don't necessarily think that you'll have the same body of knowledge as your male counterparts. Yeah. And so I learned how to assert myself working there and how to speak confidently about a male-dominated industry.
0: Yeah, I think, and I you can already see that, which is nice. Like, they immediately bring you in and sit you down. And give you like a one-on-one lesson and just like or like. Did you do Beer 101? I, I did. Um, I did Beer 101, which is with Alec Lopez. The legend. Um, yes. And it was really funny because at the end he went, You and Sarah are really similar. And it's kind of freaking me out. <laughs> like he must have watched me because I was I was like a sponge, you know, I was mm-hmm. taking notes and that I bet that's what it was. And I was like asking questions, and I bet he was like, well...
1: What are you going to do when you get to a certain number of followers on Insta, and will it ever be enough? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly how I feel. No, it yeah. won't.
0: I mean, you know, there are numbers that we're excited about. Like, we were really excited to hit 1,000 followers because, you know, we started with zero. And thank you to Veronica Vandura, too. Yes. She did a
1: special giveaway. And I saw Aviva um on Wednesday night, Tuesday night at an event. And she was so grateful. Also, that painting came out beautiful. Yes. She was the
0: winner. Yes, we did a custom... Or Veronica offered a customized painting to our 1,000th... Or to a winner from a raffle for a 1,000th follower. But mm-hmm. I think that we're just trying to grow and grow. Like, I don't think in my head am I like, Oh, well, 5 million followers. That'll be enough. Right. But no, I mean, I think we're just like... The ceiling is the sky. The ceiling's nowhere.
1: Um, <laughs> but I also... I remember I took a group of uh, teenage girls to Harvard on a field trip a few years ago, and we were driving back on the bus, and they were like, oh, it's 2.47, I have to post this picture. And I was like, what do you mean it's 2.47? These 16-year-old girls had dialed in the analytics that people aren't really allowed to use their phone during the school day, and everyone checks Instagram as soon as the last bell of the day rings. So if you post a picture then at just the right moment, you'll be first in the feed. It's brilliant. I was like... This is crazy to me, right? Yeah. And then the other thing they said: if in the first three minutes they hadn't hit a certain number of likes, they delete it because they don't Cause want the that, algorithm like, on their record. Yeah.
0: Whoa. That's crazy. they were crazy. like, it performs
1: or it doesn't. I don't. I, I don't want to be like that, but I am. Right. Yeah. The analytical data side of my brain is like, <laughs> what will get me the most likes on this photo? Yeah.
0: And that's like, right. I've gotten like really dialed into like hashtags and. Different stuff like that and, like, how do I get onto the discover pages and stuff like that. And it is hard because sometimes you just want to post the things that you want to post. Like, sometimes you just want to – we just – we like to post things we like and care about. One thing that I have discovered that is important is that we get the most or more likes on pictures that feature us. Like, people love that. And so that's important. Right. That's, like, important to know. Or just, like, that have faces in them in general. But I think, like, our faces are, like, people are, like, oh, there they are. That's them. So that is part of it. Um, But, yeah, pictures of people definitely are what the algorithm is looking for.
1: Going back to our secret life as teachers, too, I had my Instagram on private for – I don't know, ever since I got it in like 2010 Mm -hmm. um, until this year, I opened it up and I said, well, if I really want a future in my freelance writing career and with this podcasting and all the other things I'm involved in in the city, I got to open it up. And if my employer in this day and age has a problem with that, she's going to have to let me know. Yeah. And that was a tough decision to make. Like last year, my big, or last week, rather, my big cover for Worcester Mag was about beer. So I posted a picture of beer. Now, as a first year teacher, I never would have done that and opened it up to the public. I was so cautious. But now I have to understand that, like, I really am living two lives.
0: Well, and it's not just that, but like, it's not like you're posting something irresponsible. You're an adult person, right? Mm -hmm. And I think as long as you're not posting inappropriate or like flagrant, I don't know, violations of right. whatever, then it's fine because, like, you're a person. And
1: mm-hmm. since I opened Your it life. up in the last few months, I've gotten 500 additional followers right. or something like that, which is crazy to me. Yeah. And I, who knows who some of them are, which is a scary yeah. thing, too. <laughs> you know? But it is,
0: like, you, yeah, you have to accept the way that you're living and whatever comes from that, I guess. <laughs> um,
1: I really like this next question. It was, what were you like in middle school? Yeah. Part of the reason I really like it is I tend to walk into job interviews or walk into board meetings and people look at me and they make a lot of assumptions and they say, oh, this girl grew up in a million dollar house on the west side of the city and wants for nothing. And that's just not, not the case. Um, And so I guess a, a brief history would be that my parents had me in college. They will probably tell you that they were a little too young to have a baby, you know, um i like to break it down to numbers we lived in 11 apartments and one house for a little bit um before i graduated high school and that comes with its own obvious issues and i think indicates that money was really tight my mom and dad didn't make it work they didn't stay together um my grandparents were really really helpful during that time for me and my mom married a man who has been a tremendous, you know, inspiration for me in my life. His name is Andy Grigorov, and he's pretty involved in the city of Worcester, too. He's my stepdad. But they got divorced when I was 16, and that was hard, too. Um, I poured myself, especially in middle school, into school. That felt like a really safe place for me. Books were like this beautiful escape where, you know, you could enter anybody else's world But I didn't necessarily know that what I was experiencing wasn't the norm. You're kind of caught in this little bubble, and um, I do. I always am grateful for the families who were so kind to me and like made me create some aspirations for myself. Athletics was another thing that I really poured myself into. Um, I knew I wanted to become a Division One swimmer, and that was my sole focus. Sometimes to the detriment, probably of my own (laughs) my own social life, but. Um, I became a really talented swimmer, and that's led to a lot of success for me too.
0: Well, and also, the swimming and stuff for you was really like how you kind of fell into your friend group in college, right? Where that's you right. Were all you all did different. You were athletes, and mm-hmm. yeah, so that works too.
1: So I wouldn't give back that adversity for the world because I am the grittiest girl. And are. that happened for a reason. You know, Ivy, I think, put it best. She gave the Quinn Sigmund Community College commencement address, and she said, all the stuff that I was so embarrassed about when I was in middle school is now the stuff that make people so impressed by me and make people give me new opportunities. Um, because growth, for me, is so much more indicative of success than achievement.
0: Yeah, I would definitely agree. When I was in middle school, <laughs> I was a big old nerd. <laughs> um <laughs> I I had a, I have a single mom, um, and my grandparents were also tremendously helpful, but I didn't even meet my dad till I was 10 years old, um, so, like, right around, like, right before I went to sixth grade. I think I had met him, like, once or twice as a kid, but I didn't know my dad um, until middle school, and then I sort of got to know him then, but at that point, like, I lived with my mom and her boyfriend at the time, who was really, like, a stepdad to me, um, and who really, like you know, was raising me, essentially. I did have, I, when I was in middle school, like, I had a single mom when I was younger, and but she always, you know, she wasn't super young, and she worked, but when I was in middle school, we lived in a very, we lived in, like, a beautiful big house because my stepdad made a lot of money, and it was interesting because they also broke up when I was, like, 15 or 16, and then I went back to just being me and my mom, which I did, I had missed. That's, like, I grew up with that, and that was You know, it was like my mom always made my life feel, I think, like enriched and normal. Like I didn't I didn't I never like wanted for a father figure Um, like I had my grandfather who I depended on. I had my uncle Matt and my mom also like filled my life with my my cousins, my aunts and my uncles and my cousins. And I spent a lot of time with them. So like as an only child and with a single mom, I had a lot and it was great. But then, yeah, when I was, like, 15 or 16, we moved out. In middle school, I was also very into books. But I also was, like, trying to figure out who I was. And I got, like, very into, like, emo music and punk music. And I and I look back and and I was – I had a great middle school experience, which is so funny because a lot of people don't. I had almost, like, the opposite where, like, I had a wonderful middle school experience and my high school experience was, like, eh. Um Because when I was in middle school, I just had this really wonderful group of friends and we lived in this bubble of, like, we were so happy together and we would watch Degrassi every Friday night um, and do prank phone calls and, like, just silly stuff. But we lived in, like, we did get teased a little bit. I wouldn't say bullied because we made ourselves different. Um, We weren't, you know, I didn't want to wear, like, and it's so funny because now I wear American Eagle all the time as a (laughs) grown-up. But, like, that wasn't my style then. But, yeah, in middle school, it's, like, be who you are, I guess, would be what I would say, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I had a weird time. I, Like I said, like, I didn't meet my dad till I was 10, and, like, I used to get dinner with my dad, like, once a week, or I would go hang out with him. And I don't know where he is now. Um, I haven't seen him since I was, like, in, like, 10 years at least. And I think, like, my mom made my life so okay and acceptable as a single parent, and she made it. She was, you know, she was all I needed. Um so I've never like been like oh man like I wish my dad would call me. Um mm-hmm. which is a little different I think a lot of people don't experience that. And I don't know if it's just cuz I grew up with a family who was really there but yeah, it's uh, you know that was part of my experience in middle school but I also, you know, I found things that I liked mm-hmm. and I got really into them, which is which is a similarity with Sarah and I where I we love, just you yeah, find the things, right?
1: I love that you mentioned um your like sense of style evolving. Because for me, my mom would, especially in middle school, drag me to thrift stores. Mm-hmm. And I was like humiliated. I was so embarrassed that we were shopping at all these thrift stores and the that wasn't what I wanted, right? Mm-hmm. And now I'll I only yeah. almost exclusively shop at like Sweet Jane's right. and Grime. And I want all these like secondhand yeah.
0: eco-friendly fashion. It's become something that I've embraced. Well and when the the song Thrift Shop came out, the Macklemore song, people were like, well, you're kind of turning something that was like a need for people into a commodity. It was very – it was a fascinating, but it's true. It's like you don't – you think at the time, you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe this. And then right. you grow up and you get a different perspective on stuff. So the next question
1: says, what is the hardest thing for women to cope with at work? Um, I was trying to think about like what are some real difficulties that I've had <sighs> – there are some that were out of my control, and there were some that I felt like I had a voice to combat. The best one I can think of is I had a colleague who I had a great like rapport with, but we definitely have different views. Um, and we had a meeting in his classroom one day, and he had this poster of all the Patriots' cheerleaders leaders hanging in the back of his room, and one of them was a former student of his and she had come and she was really proud of you know her success as a patriots cheerleader and that was what he said it was there for that reason but i said to him if i am a fairly confident 25 year old woman having a meeting in your classroom and i feel insecure based on that poster imagine how these 13 year olds who are struggling with their body image feel when they have to sit in the back of your class And he just, he couldn't understand that. He couldn't understand that. And it was so important to me that I told him. Um, And that was probably the first time I ever really did find my voice and speak up for something in that way. And I mean, eventually the poster came down, right? We still have a good friendship. We still get along quite well. But it was important to me to see that that friendship and that collegiality could survive
0: even when you speak your mind. Yeah, absolutely. I am... It's been lucky for me the last few years because I've worked in a, you know, in a professional setting that was like a lot of women. So I didn't run into that as much at the elementary level. But previous to teaching, I worked in politics and I worked on a lot of campaigns. And I think it was a similar situation. And I was like 22 and 23 years old when I did that. And I had jobs where I had to delegate and tell people what to do. And I think when I first stepped into it, I was like, I can't do this. I don't know how to do this. I literally learned as I did it. And sometimes that's how it goes. Sometimes like you have to like you're in charge of you're all of a sudden you're telling like a 40 year old guy, you're handing him something and being like, go do this, Mm -hmm. which is crazy. Like go knock on strangers doors. But sometimes, sometimes it's not even like a single moment that teaches you. It's just like I would have so much anxiety leading up to really important days and really important like landmark days on elections. And then I would show up to work and just do them. The day before I would have like I had a full blown panic attack once where I, it was the day before election day, and I just, like, started shaking and crying. So sometimes in situations like that, even as a young, young woman, you just, if you show up and you just start doing it, people listen to you. Mm -hmm. If you act like you know what you're doing, they'll be like, oh, okay, she She knows knows what what she's she's doing. doing. (laughs) Um, And that's literally what I learned is, like, I showed up that morning, and I was like, all right, I can do it now. I'm ready to do it. I can, I can like, I can be in charge of this mm-hmm. specific task, like all these tasks. And then I did, and we won. <laughs> the next question for me was
1: the one that made me the most nervous, and mm-hmm. that's why I think we have to answer it. Yes. Um, it says, "What do you do about subtle sexual harassment?" I'll say that subtle sexual harassment is the beginning, mm-hmm. and if you don't stop it when it's subtle
0: or address it then it's going to become more than that. Right. Because um, you can't necessarily stop it. Like you're not in control of someone else's behavior. But if you ignore see it, it, right, if you see it and you know that it's there and you know that something's not right, that's a good first step.
1: And we all have a moral compass and you can feel when something isn't quite right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think especially with power dynamics, sometimes we we resist it or you try to look past it. Um for what you think will benefit your career or your standing, your social standing in the long run, and that's just not the case. Um, If it happens to me on the street, and I really – we call my fiancé Jasper, but he was so surprised when we first started dating. I said something about um, I don't think I've ever been on a run in my whole life and not had somebody yell something out a car window or say something on the street. Um, I mean, that's a reality. Absolutely. What I learned to do while I was living in New York City was a more seasoned New Yorker than myself said, <laughs> never just keep walking, always say good morning or something. Humanize yourself, make eye contact with that person and say, like, I am here. I heard what you just said and I'm not buying into the sexual element yeah. of it.
0: That's kinder. I just yell F off at people. Oh
1: no. Yeah, I
0: mean- I, I look straight in them, I look them straight in that and I either yell like F off or something similar or I just like flip them off. Um, I'm like not <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I'm i not here for it
1: <laughs> I learned a lot too about sexual harassment this year and some of the reporting yeah. that I did and about the idea of grooming and power dynamics for me um, probably the worst experience that I had with it was that I had a mentor of sorts um, when I was a kid and he was probably a, a decade or I mean nine nine years older than me um, and the year I turned 18, um, it the whole dynamic changed. And there were a lot of like really sexually charged comments thrown my way all the time. And it felt really good at first. And I think that's something that's important. When I wrote the stories about Holy Cross this year, uh, the woman who came forward said, when my professor said these things to me at first, it felt really good. Like yeah. he picked me as his favorite uh, this individual was my advisor for an internship I was completing for high school credit. Um he was someone I trusted and it just it it spiraled because I didn't address it. I knew it felt not quite right, but I wish that I had the foresight to know that like I should have talked to somebody about
0: that. Yeah, and just the tools to deal with it because Right, you don't, it's grooming. That's like literally what it is. It wasn't until no. I was his age,
1: so right. I was I turned 27, that um I thought back, like, I would never in a million years make those sort of comments to an 18-year-old. Right. Uh, or act on them, you know. So it, it took me a very, very long time to realize that what had happened wasn't quite right.
0: Yep. Uh, Nicole Cliff is a writer. She recently profiled Alanis Morissette, but she does a lot of work talking about Um, different like trauma and different stuff that women and girls deal with and she was talking about the fact that a lot of women um, who who enter relationships I don't even know if you would call them relationships as like younger teens like even 14 or 15 years old think it's totally like normal that they're doing that with an older man and then it's something similar to what you said where she has spoken with a lot of women who are her friends who have daughters who are now 14 or 15. And then that's when they are like struck by lightning. And they're like, Oh my God, that was so wrong. Mm-hmm. Cause at the time you're like, Oh yeah. Like I was part of it. I made that choice. And it's me. I'm different. Right. This
1: is different.
0: Yeah. But it's not necessarily the case. She also was, um, she was also writing recently about how a lot of women go to do jury duty and, if the case pertains to some kind of sexual harassment or assault, women are asked on jury duty, do you have experience with this or do you know people like someone who has had experience with it? And women say – every woman says yes and then they don't end up on these juries, mm-hmm. which seems like it should be the opposite. It right. should be the people who who know, right, like who know – and it's all, it's like every woman, like even if you have not been like the one in three or whoever who have experienced something like that. Someone you know has. I think talking about it a lot more, and I think, like, Sarah worked on that piece for Worcester Magazine and uh, many pieces, a series of pieces, but even in our very, very, like, local alt-weekly magazine, to have that was important. And we had to fight for those pieces, too, because it was eye-opening for me. Yeah, and it doesn't get covered everywhere, even though we think it does, because we hear about it, like, from the people covering the President of the United States, in a local way, and especially, like, on college campuses, which does, like, go into, high, like, high school and teenage girls. You just, you have to talk about it.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. The next one says, what is the best way to reduce pollution? I listened <laughs> to David Chang's podcast recently, and he had a really interesting fact. It said, by adding a small amount of seaweed to an animal's feed, researchers found that they could cut the cow's methane production by nearly 60%. What? The chefs are the ones who are afraid – to change the um the quality of the meat. But I thought that was eye opening too where I was like, "Wait
0: a second. We could just feed these cows some seaweed and reduce their methane by 60%?" That's crazy. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. I would say one way to reduce pollution is to aggressively regulate corporations and not subsidize their environmental damage. <laughs> Perfect. very clear on that <laughs> so the
1: next question says who inspires you um, my favorite essayist is named Sloan Crosley I'll read anything I get, can get my hands on I love having her voice inside my head and I think she's brilliant um, I also love the podcasters from uh, Call Your Girlfriend Ann Friedman and Amina Tuso.
0: yes I who inspires me Daniel Mallory Ortberg is a writer that I love um, he is a trans writer. He just came out in the last within the last year. And he and Nicole Cliff, who I already talked about, founded The Toast, which was like my favorite website, Rest in Peace, The Toast. They use that website to uplift women's writing and use humor most of the time, but also it was very literary, like almost to like a like a comic level. Um, so those two are really inspiring to me. And I also am super inspired by women who not sacrifice because that's like a goofy word for it but like women who get really in a comedy like aggressively so to the point where people stop seeing them as like beautiful or pretty <laughs> like I think a lot about Molly Shannon and Lucille Ball and Kristen Wiig and people like that who you could look at a still photo of them and be like oh my gosh look at how beautiful they are and but you're like wait a second they're just like the funniest person I've ever seen <laughs> um and I love I just like I love that like that genre of of lady any woman who just like who throws herself into making people laugh those are my people (laughs)
1: agreed if you were stuck on an island with only one song what would it be i'll take either ophelia the band or the lumineers oh i like that oh
0: that's a great question i would say oh oh hold on one song okay Because my instinct, my immediate, which is so, this is not my answer, but "Levon," the song by Elton John, which is so weird because that song is named after Levon Helm from the band, who you just brought up. Mm -hmm. But I actually think that my like, oh oh, man, final answer, (laughs) it might be Leonard Bernstein's Leonard Bernstein's rendition of "Fantasia on a Theme by Thomas Tallis," which is a wonderful like thirteen minute classical strings
1: piece I mean if you're gonna break it out every day for the rest of your life I
0: listen to it every day and then I have one more which is new slang by the shins those would be like my options
1: the next question was another tough one it said what if I hate my body Um, yeah I haven't figured this one out yet completely. I still look for validation from other people. We talked Mm -hmm. about Instagram, but I look at my likes sometimes and I worry, is there something wrong with me or um, why do people like this picture? And I get on these loops in my head where, you know, I can't stop thinking about something. In high school, I had a journal as encouraged by a swim coach of mine, but he encouraged me to write down everything I was eating every day and weigh myself every day. And for me, that became a terrible, terrible thing. Don't Um, do that. Don't do that. Yeah. (laughs) And when I stopped weighing myself, when I got to college, because I was a division one swimmer at that point, we had a nutritionist who was working with us and I got so much happier, you know, to not think about it every single day. And um, I think that's, That's really important. Don't fixate on it. I know that's easier said than done, but just the physical act of writing down those things every day got me stuck in a space that I wasn't happy
0: in. Absolutely. And I think another thing is that, like, especially for, like, Sarah, you were an athlete. So, like, your weight, a lot of that is your strength. Right, Mm -hmm. like a lot of that is what makes you good at what you're good at. A lot of that is how you swim as fast as you swim or as well as you swim because you're strong, Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily because you have like a certain body fat percentage or something ridiculous like that. I was always really thin, and so like I can't speak to like I am very into like fat acceptance and fat liberation. I think it's really important because, um, many studies have come out lately that have pointed out that like fat bodies can be healthy bodies. And so I have I speak from that obviously from an outside perspective. When I was younger, I was very as a beanpole. I sometimes will do this little dance that makes me look like Pinocchio, because I like my bones just stuck out everywhere. And so that was like that was tough in a different way. Obviously, where like I was thin, so I was always thin. But it can be tricky, like Sarah said, you you do fixate on things. You have to find what you like to wear. I think is important, and it whatever it is, if it's loose fitting or tight fitting or whatever. And find the way that you want to express yourself and just be and figure that out. And if you feel awful about it, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to say eat healthier or do something different because sometimes you just have to be who you are. Mm-hmm. Try your best. Everything in moderation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do what makes you feel good. Exactly. Too, not what
1: you think other people Exactly. Will if prefer.
0: you want to eat a whole bag of Funyuns, you should do it. Everything in moderation. <laughs> exactly. The next day, maybe eat a salad. Who knows? Whatever. Who cares?
1: <laughs> what is the most inspiring story you've heard from a guest this year? Ooh. Um, Megan Jasper, to me, was a great inspiration in that she said she didn't always have a plan, but she always worked really, really hard. She went on tour, and mm-hmm. an opportunity presented itself for her to enter the music business. She's worked her way from receptionist up to becoming the CEO of one of the most relevant labels in the country, Sub Pop. And um, I, you know, I thought if she can do that,
0: I can do anything. We talked to Nikki Bell, who works as she was a, she was a prostitute. She was prostituted um, as a younger person. She's been out of that life for five years, but she has started an organization, an organization called LIFT, Living in Freedom Together for Survivors of Prostitution. And just the way that she has come, not only come out of that world as a survivor, but she's thriving and she's thriving not only on her own behalf but on behalf of others and really working to make the world better like just period like she's just trying to make things better
1: I'm glad you mentioned her because the next question says, do you ever feel uncomfortable with your guests on the podcast? I wouldn't say I felt uncomfortable mm-hmm. in any way with Nikki, but I was nervous I would use the wrong language. And I, I had the same experience when we interviewed um, Patrick Joslyn and Josh Croak. And in both of these situations, I said, I just want to make sure that I don't use language that's incorrect. In in both cases, they said, thank you for saying that, you know, yep. you even asking or addressing it is the most important thing. Like uh, We'll do everything we can to tell you what language to use. Thank you for asking.
0: Absolutely. Ask questions. Make sure people know that you're entering a a conversation or whatever you're entering with compassion and Mm -hmm. empathy, and that's all you need. If you could switch places with anyone in the world, who would it be and why? Elizabeth
1: Warren, because she has a plan for everything.
0: She does have a plan for everything. (laughs) That's such a good answer. Um, If I could switch places with anyone in the world, Oh, hmm. I don't know. I have to think about that one. That's not an immediate answer for me.
1: We can come back to yeah. Have you? Oh, have your lives changed since you started this podcast? Okay, tell the story about Trader Joe's from yesterday.
0: Oh my god, it was so crazy. I was at Trader Joe's yesterday. I was just like in the checkout line. So then the bagger who was like a guy in his 50s probably like I'd never seen him before usually like we run into people that we know in some way like mutually or whatever his name is Glenn hi Glenn <laughs> um he first he was like how's your day and i was like it's great how's yours and then he asked if i wanted everything in one bag and i was like yeah if you can and then he was like maybe he wanted to like hear me talk again and make sure it was me and then <laughs> Isn't he was like hard? He, and then he was like, I, uh, you guys are doing a great job on Pop It Worcester. Oh. And I was like, oh, my God, thank you. So, you know, stars, they're just like us. Like, they shop at Trader Joe's. <laughs> um, but I was like, thank you so much. And it was so funny because at one I I was like, yeah, that's me. Like, I said right. that out loud because I was like, yes, you're right. I, so, um, I was get cool. so
1: flattered when people yeah. have listened or engaged with us in any way. And I had a meeting this week. I was nervous. The Telegram has absorbed Worcester Magazine. And I thought for sure that they called me in for this meeting to say, it's been fun, but, you know, we're going a different direction. But they called me in to say – we love hearing your voice. We love the brand that you and Molly have created. Mm-hmm. And we want you to insert more of yourself in your column. And they had a few examples of things that I would written in my column that I had been nervous would get cut by the editor. And they said, we want more of this. We want more of that. you. We don't want you to just tell us what to do this weekend. We want to hear what you think about all these yep. things. And um, – Yeah, they're keeping all of the pieces that I do every week. They want more. And that is because of this. You're going to keep Western Rising afloat. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, They're upping circulation. That is exciting. They're still gonna drop it what? free at coffee shops yeah. and everywhere else, um, and it'll be a part of the Thursday edition of the Telegram. I'm like, what? I know, I was not expecting that. I thought Worcester Magazine might have to go by the wayside, and instead, it's getting stronger. That is and very exciting. I am so excited to to work with Victor Infante because um, yeah. I've admired his work for literally you know a decade. Yeah. So. Who is your favorite YouTuber? Okay, I'm not a big like I don't watch a ton of YouTubers, but I read a great profile of Jenna Marbles a while ago. I think she's funny, I think she's smart, and I think she like will air her vulnerabilities. She's local too, right? Is she a
0: she lives in LA now, but I don't know. Maybe she's
1: from here or something. I think
0: she was a Boston girl. I could be wrong. I love Christine Sidelko. (laughs) She used to do she's the one from the video where she runs out of the um, oh god, what is it? It's not KFC. Taco Bell? She's like they knew my name, but she's the one who who did the "I am shooketh." Um, I love her. I also love um, Gentle Whispers, who is Marie- Maria Masha. She's a, she does ASMR. Oh, she's great. Man.
1: <laughs> I listened to an interview this week with Aubrey Plaza, and she loves ASMR.
0: It's it's soothing.
1: <laughs> so let's see. Would you ever talk to previous students for the podcast? Absolutely. Once you're no longer a student. So I mean, like once you've graduated high yeah. school. Yeah. And I'm so proud. I have students now that are nurses and teachers and students who are
0: athletes at some of the That's best schools crazy. in the country.
1: What is the ultimate goal of the podcast?
0: What is the ultimate goal? I mean, like, elevating women's voices, not just, like, like we talk about professional culture and all this stuff, but also just, like, getting more women to talk about, like, their stuff.
1: Normalizing our yeah. experiences as that. women.
0: But like, yeah, like, what are you into? What's your thing? What is, what makes, what makes you excited and... Like I love funny too, mundane
1: stuff. We're a resource where you don't have to listen to all the episodes in order. Danny Babineau has been going episode by episode. She's pretty amazing. But I said <laughs> that is amazing. Just do a deep dive when you want to learn about somebody. For example, I had a friend who was interviewing for a job. One of the hiring managers had been one of our guests, and they said I listened to all 45 minutes so that I would know what I was getting myself
0: into. I would know their backstory. I think we're a great resource. Yeah, I think, right, definitely, like, when we invite people on who are here to talk about the things that they are good at, because mm-hmm. that's what we want to elevate, right? We, it's not like, and, like, and struggles people have had, anything, anything that people have in their lives that, like, t- put them where they are, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, that's kind of what we talked about earlier, like, our middle school selves. What are you, what's your stuff? Like, what are you about? Have you picked somebody yet who you would trade places with? I mean, Chrissy Teigen, I guess. <laughs> That's my ins. That's like, yeah. you know, I just, I just, I love her kids, <laughs> is a big part of it. Mm-hmm. um She's got a great sense of humor about herself. I, yeah, she's great. I love like her, I love her food is so good. So that would probably be it. Or like John Cena's girlfriend. I don't know if he has one right now, but I want to date John Cena. <laughs> that's my other one. What's your favorite animal? <laughs> Last question of the day elephant. So wise.
1: Dolphins. Not just because I was a swimmer, but also uh, I watched this great documentary about dolphins being kept in captivity and how they consciously choose to breathe. It's not like humans where we just automatically breathe. They have to choose. And um, I I thought that was so, like, deep and whimsical. They also experience pleasure uh, more than other animals. There's, like, I don't know, just this really thoughtful quality about them.
0: Yeah. Um, Elephants are thoughtful, too. They're wise, and elephants, like, show um, empathy and compassion. I also love raccoons. I love trash pandas. I just think that they're the cutest things that I've ever seen, and I want one. So if anyone has a raccoon for me, I'll take it. Uh, I love their little hands. (laughs) that's it (laughs) so moving forward i i'm
1: getting married next week next week i'm really excited about that but then i'll be away um i think july for us is going to be a really quiet month and then we'll start a season two in august yeah
0: beginning with molly from grime so excited the girls from
1: seed to stem
0: yeah can't wait to ask the seed to stems seed to stem girls about the dog that lives there sometimes (laughs) sometimes <laughs> me too Does i he love have that, one dog, blue that eye? Aussie yeah it's because Australian Shepherd the best kind of dog we'll see you then
1: yeah it has been a really fun year and quite the roller coaster ride yeah i have been Molly and i have been
0: Sarah and this has been Poppet. Rate, review, subscribe, and vibe. Bye. (laughs) Mass Foodies curates exclusive events and publishes thought-provoking content for the food-centric person. When asking yourself where to eat tonight, turn to massfoodies.com to see what's happening in the Massachusetts food scene. That's massfoodies.com.